0: This is Out of Office for Thursday the 23rd of February 2012 Talent Markets. Welcome to the Out of Office podcast where you'll learn how to work from virtually anywhere by using the internet for greater convenience, comfort and freedom. Your hosts are Chris Pudney and Guhan Pereira.
1: G'day, Gehan, how are you doing?
0: Oh, I'm happy Chris, how about you? Yeah, pretty well, thanks.
1: Well, today uh, we're going to talk about talent markets and today's podcast we're going to conduct as an interview because We've both used talent markets, but Gihan, you've used them far more than I have, so much so that uh, e interviewed you a couple of years ago, I think, to uh, plumb uh, your expertise and get some advice on how to use talent markets and e in particular
0: for outsourcing work. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And this whole idea of the the concept of talent market, or the phrase may be something that you're not familiar with, but a lot of people would have heard of places like e and Odesk and Guru.com and 99designs and those sort of places, which are which our talent markets are, the websites that, that bring people who want to do small projects or even sometimes big projects with people who need them done. That's right. And for how long have you been using them, Giha? I think I must have been using them for maybe maybe a decade, Chris. And There wow. weren't that many of them around at the time, but certainly I've been using them for many years with varying degrees of success, and we'll probably get to that. Sure, sure. Okay, well, as I said, we're going to conduct,
1: the, uh, conduct this podcast as an interview, so I'll be asking the questions, and Gihan will be sharing his expertise. So you've already answered uh, the first question, Gihan, exactly what talent markets are, but and you said that they're for matching jobs to freelancers who can provide that kind of work. But what sorts of jobs are best suitable to free, outsourcing through talent markets?
0: I think the main thing is that it's got to be something that you can do remotely so that you can work with somebody remotely, obviously, so it's not like you're going to get somebody to deliver coffee for you. Um, but it's surprising how many things can be done so the thing, the sort of things I've done well we recently Chris we got a book cover designed through Elance so I've got uh, some graphic design done on my website I've had ghost I regularly get audio transcription done um, you can get people who do editing, proving uh, all sorts of supplement, website development uh, a whole bunch of those sort of technical things they, they're particularly suitable for that because there are a whole bunch of people around the world with those skills who just want to do them and, and as I said earlier uh, they tend to do them on an individual project basis so you're not employing them you're just using their particular skills for a particular project and at the end of the project you disband and you go your own separate way until you need somebody again um, it's also been used for certain uh, other jobs, so maybe little unsavory, unsavory jobs, where there, there tend to be um, mindless, boring, repetitive work, unskilled work, uh, where you can get people at very, very low cost uh, in other parts of the world. So there's sort of things like uh, filling in competition surveys or clicking on your competitor's ads so as to increase their advertising budget, or uh, filling in forms, and you know those forms with a little capture where there's, there's cryptic words that you have to type in, uh, well, those uh, they, they fool computers because computers can't read those words, but some people will, uh, and spammers, for example, will fill in the form, but they will hire people to, to actually read the word and type in the word. So uh, they will use it for those sort of unskilled jobs, which are tedious, repetitive, boring, mindless. Uh, they can get them done cheaply. I wouldn't recommend that we, that any of the people listening to this podcast use it for those sort of things. But there, as I said, there's a diverse range of uh, ways that you can use them.
1: Sure. And you mentioned that uh, typically you engage people on a per project basis. So why would you do that rather than, for instance, um, hiring someone locally or actually employing somebody? Uh, why would you do use the talent market instead?
0: Yeah, there are a number of reasons and you've like you've touched on a couple of scenarios in which you'd use it. So the f- first one is like let's compare it to doing the work yourself. So one option is you outsource the work because you don't want to do it yourself. And those sort of the reasons for that are fairly obvious because you might think that your time is more valuable and uh should be spent on other things. Uh that they, they, you may not have the skills so people other people can do it better and faster. And uh overall because of that it becomes more profitable because you're spending your time doing the sort of things that you're that you should be doing in your business and you outsource some of the other work to people who've got those skills. Uh, now, if you compare it to outsourcing uh, locally, so you don't have to use these talent markets where you find people around the world. You can find providers and suppliers locally, but it's often cheaper to use some of these worldwide talent markets. And also another thing that I've found, Chris, is that a lot of the providers on, the, on places like Elance and Odesk, they're used to working electronically and remotely and they – they they are they're set up for that they have skype and instant message and uh, even those sites like Elan 's and odesk will have things to make it easier so they'll have a shared workspace they'll have a way of paying people in installments, they have a way of sending reminders when milestones are due, all those sort of things, uh, because they they have to be able to work remotely, the website's set up for that, whereas if you're working with a local supplier, you may find that they're very good, but they're not used to working remotely, and especially if you're an out-of-office worker and you don't necessarily have an office uh, 9-to-5, Monday-to-Friday sort of work style, then uh, you might find it more convenient to work with somebody who's set up for working remotely. I guess the other thing is when you 're choosing people which we'll talk about this bit later, but you can you can have a look at what other people have said about them, what other clients have said about them, and uh, you can have a look at uh, testimonials they 've received, the sort of feedback they 've received, the sort of work they 've done in the past, and how they 've been rated on it and uh, All of that said, you might end up with those even using those talent markets. It may end up that you that you end up working with somebody who 's just down the street anyway. Mm-hmm. And I guess the other thing is, and this is a big shift that's happening at the moment, is that if you compare it to hiring staff yourself, well, broadly, you don't need to hire staff. You may end up doing that uh, sometime later, but if you just want to bring together a project team quickly uh, and you don't have those in-house skills, you don't have to go through the whole process of hiring a staff member, recruiting and hiring somebody to ha- with those skills. What you might choose to do instead, especially at the start, is just hire somebody on a project basis through these talent markets. And then if you find it's something that you do want to build uh, in-house, to have that skill in-house, then you might want to hire somebody uh, sometime down the track. I guess also, so we talked about this whole idea of... um, you know, how, how it helps your business and what uh, the benefits of talent markets, uh, use talent markets for your business. But I, I think there's a broader picture as well. And uh, the Internet has brought people closer together. And this is one example where people around the world can collaborate. And you really can help people in other parts of the world. And one of the reasons that that I use some of these talent markets is not just because it's cheaper and more profitable, but because it really can be uh really help. It allows me to reach out to people in other parts of the world. I can help them financially. I can help them learn new skills. I can help them um, interact more with, with uh, other countries and uh, other cultures. And uh, so th- those are some other reasons as well. And even the financial reasons, the, the financial benefits for them can be quite significant because your dollar can go much further uh, in some other parts of the world. And even if you're working with people in in that what we call developed countries you're still helping to break down some of the things like geographical barriers uh, uh culture differences and overall you're making the world a better place so i think all of those reasons as reasons why you might consider getting into working with some of the talent markets
1: absolutely and uh, some of those talent markets you've mentioned already like uh which is probably one of the most most established uh But there are quite a few by now and they each have uh, slightly different approaches to this problem of matching people with work to uh, freelancers who can do it. So perhaps you could uh, go through some of the better known ones, Gihan, and sort of uh, explain some of the subtle differences between them. Yeah, sure. Look,
0: there's a a few that I've used. There's probably three or four that I've used. Uh, So elance.com is the one that I've used the most, and uh, that's the one that I've used uh, probably 10 years ago. That's when I first started looking at these talent markets. Elance was the one that I went to. There are others that have been around for a while, like guru.com, vworker.com, freelancer.com, and I haven't used those, but I have used Elance. There's one that's come around this. Uh, become popular quite recently, Chris called ODesk, and uh, one of the differences with ODesk—that's one I have used as well. One of the differences is that they tend to favour hourly rates rather than fixed prices, whereas Elance seems to be the other way around. That generally, you put out a, when you ask uh, for someone to bid on your project. Uh, with Elance, you generally f- uh, quote a fixed price. With ODesk, you generally. Uh, uh, people will respond with their hourly rate. So, if you're looking for somebody that you want to work with on a uh, on a long-term basis, or if you don't exactly know how much work's involved, then ODesk might be a better place to go. Now, that's not to say that you can't do Elance on hourly rate or ODesk ODesk on fixed price. In fact, that's how I've done ODesk, just on fixed price jobs. However, you might find that uh, the the sort of providers who gravitate towards those two uh, talent markets tend to be either the the fixed price or the hourly rate. There's another one which is fixed price, which I've used a couple of times, um, but it's one fixed price. So it's called Fiverr.com, F-I-V-E-R-R, uh, where everything's done for Fiverr. So for $5, uh, you can get very small jobs done. Um, and we did that for the, the intro uh, to this podcast, Chris, the voiceover that we've got. We had Michelle, who uh, offered to do that for $5. So uh, it's a bit hit and miss, I've discovered with Fiverr, because – because there's only $5 involved, there are providers who will just say, okay, well, I'm, I'm too busy or I can't be bothered doing this anymore. Or they've been on there for a while and they no longer want to offer that service. And they'll just go, well, who cares? I don't mind my reputation being mm. a little bit spoiled because uh, only, there's only $5 at stake there. Uh, equally, you might... Um, go in with the idea that you might be willing to spend $5 without doing a lot of research into this provider because the worst that can happen is that you lose $5. Whereas if you're spending hundreds or thousands of dollars on some of these other sites, then you might be a bit more careful. Um, there's, uh, Amazon.com has a service called the Amazon Mechanical Tip, which is one I haven't used, but it's very good for small and repetitive tasks. I've heard of people using that for things like, uh, you know, like you take a whole bunch of photos with your, with your digital camera and all the photos have strange file names like DSC1001.jpg and so on. And, uh, so you might upload a whole bunch of photos and get somebody, get one of these art sources to actually look at the photos and then label them correctly and maybe even tag them so that then you've got your whole photo collection organized without you having to go through that tedious process of doing that. So that's a that's a really good example of something which you don't want to do, uh, but you want to have done, and you're willing to invest a small amount of money in it, and there are people who will do that for you. I guess the last one is 99designs, which I mentioned at the start, and it's, I think, something that you came across as well, Chris. Mm. It's quite different from the others because 99designs, I think it's an Australian company, and they do graphic design, and it's a talent market for graphic design. But the way it's different is that it's it, it wouldn't, strictly speaking, be called an outsourcing site. See, outsourcing is where you say you want a job done, and a whole bunch of people will bid on it, and then you will choose one person to do the job for you. 99designs is more crowdsourcing where you you, again, you put out a project there, and you say that you want uh, you want a certain job done, a graphic design job done, and a number of people will compete. So a number of people will um, bid on your project, but you don't choose one. They will all come back to you with with options, and they'll actually do the work, and you get to choose one. So it's more like running a competition. And uh, you think, well, why would you do that uh, as a designer? Because there's no guarantee that yours will get chosen. And yet, it is quite a competitive space, and it's a space where uh, lots of lots of designers do come together, and they're and they're willing to to bid and uh, do the work uh, on the off chance that they might get the business Uh, there's a whole bunch of other crowdsourcing sites and we probably haven't got time to go into any of them today Chris but crowdsourcing is a very very big part of the the online world now Uh, Wikipedia is of of course one big example where a number of people are uh, contributing to Wikipedia uh, through a crowdsourcing effort and uh yeah, so if you want a, a
1: good overview of the differences between those sites, uh, I came across a link at assembler.com that uh, has a good table that shows all the different approaches uh, by most of the uh, the sites that uh, you just talked about, Gihan.
0: Yeah, and I haven't come across that, so thanks for that.
1: Yeah, so that's a, a good overview of uh, the talent market space. Uh, the next step of course is actually using these talent markets to outsource your work and uh, there are a number of steps involved and the first of those obviously is choosing a particular talent market. So how have you gone about choosing talent markets
0: in the, in the past? The first thing to do is have just think about where the right sort of people might hang out so if you want a very very small job done you might go to Fiverr if you want a job done for a fixed price you might go to Elance if you want something done in an hourly rate you might go to uh, Odesk so that's the first thing I'd look at Uh, as I said it's not cut and dried because there will be some crossover but just have a look where the right sort of people hang out there are also other specific talent markets for specific uh, where where specific kinds of workers hang out so I think the, the one that's now called uh, v Worker, I think used to be I think that's the one that used to be called Rent-a-Guru Chris, or Rent-a-Coder. So if you want sort of programming done, that may be a place that you go to. Mm-hmm. So even though the ones we've talked about are, are fairly general and uh, and broad, there are specific talent markets for specific jobs. But I think if you're starting, start, I would suggest you start with uh, Elance or Odesk because you'll find a broad range of uh, providers there and it'll give you a really good experience when you're getting started. Uh, of course you do have to think take into account things like money. So you have to think about what budget you've got, um, whether you are going to go with fixed price or hourly rate. So those are some of the issues that you have to consider when you start uh, choosing a talent market. But I think that the most important thing, especially when you become experienced with it, is that once you find one and you're, you're happy with it... I've generally found that uh, I can get most of what I need uh, by just using Elance uh, and Odesk now. So it's taken me a while to experiment and look at things other than Elance. Um, So once you find one that you're happy with, that you're familiar with, that you're comfortable with the the way it works, just keep using that one because uh, that's uh, that's the best way to keep – to. Use this in the long term, and especially use providers that uh, you've used in the past as well. So once, uh, so build up a long-term relationship with providers rather than just dipping in and just uh, changing and uh, chopping and changing each time. So in fact, we had an experience with that, Chris, uh, which we might talk about a little bit later with our book cover design. That's right. That's
1: right. So once you've. Uh chosen a specific talent market, usually the first step is to put up a job proposal or a project proposal so that um, freelancers can bid on it. What sorts of advice can you offer about uh, formatting
0: and presenting a project proposal? okay look the, I think the biggest piece of advice I can give is don't be vague, so give them enough information to provide a reasonable quote because when you put up when you put a proposal out there now some of them if they if you haven't given enough information, they will write to you and ask you questions, but it's pretty competitive and it works all uh, it, works pretty quickly. So some of the providers may be reluctant to spend too much time discussing it with you because they're worried that you might just choose somebody else instead. So if you provide a vague proposal, then they've really got no choice but to quote high because they don't really know how much work's involved. Um, it's not because they're trying to rip you off. They just have to be, to be on the safe side because they don't know the details. They have to provide a quote that's higher than it needs to be. So if you provide a lot of detail, it allows them to make an accurate quote. So for example, if I need some uh, transcription done, audio transcription. I'll generally provide a sample of the audio clip. Or oh, Chris, when we did the out of office book and we needed somebody to do some, uh, some ghostwriting for us, uh, in our project proposal, we provided the outline of the book and even a sample of the transcript that we'd need edited uh, into, uh, you know, into a form that reads more like a book. So that the people who are, uh, bidding on our proposal, have some idea of the sort of work that they're going to be doing. So by providing the sample, they know how much, they can guess how much work they the, how much time they'd take to to edit that and by providing the the chapter's outline it gave them an idea of how big it's going to be and the scope of the overall work so as much as possible give them enough information to provide a reasonable quote um, as I said before if it's a similar job to one that you've done before use the same providers so if you find somebody that you know like and trust continue using them uh, there's a whole bunch of don't be tempted to use some of the others even though there's a whole bunch of them that you can choose from and Chris I guess when we should talk about this the experience that we had when we did the book cover uh, for Out of Office, for our Out of Office book. Uh, we just decided to try somebody different. Uh, I'd found this uh, provider, Manoj in India, who'd been great. He'd done a couple of book covers for me. But because we were doing this as a collaborative project, we just decided to go with somebody else. And it, it was a disaster. <laughs> I, I don't think there's any other way of describing it. And in the end, we gave up on that and went back to Manoj um, And look, I think it's just a matter of loyalty and building up relationships. Uh, So, for that reason alone, use the providers that you've used before. Yeah, Uh,
1: uh, would you
0: would you agree with that, Chris? Or is there anything you want to add to that?
1: I think I think you're right. I think, as you say, we experimented with someone else. uh, The their response to our proposal was good, um, and they were cheaper than Manoj. And so I guess that tempted us a bit. And we just wanted, to, I think we also wanted to try something different. Uh, and we learned an important lesson as a consequence.
0: Yeah. And look, and when we talked about cheaper. It wasn't that much cheaper either. So it yeah. wasn't, certainly wasn't worth the, the, the extra expense and frustration and hassle mm-hmm. from our point, uh, from expensive time and, and focus and energy. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it certainly cost us a lot more than the money that we saved.
1: Yeah, you're right, and I think because it was only a small, the project was small in cost, and so only a small difference, we thought, well, we're not risking much money by trying someone new, but um we, what we risked instead was the time of, uh, wasting, the, the, the
0: time we wasted and, uh, Managing this project that turned out to be a dud. Yeah, that's right, and I, I, that actually leads on to the next point. If you're starting with one of these talent markets, don't pick a really big, important project, especially if you're working with somebody new. So choose some, choose something that's small, that's easy, that uh, is going to be relatively cheap, and you don't mind losing the money if that's what it comes down to. So in the worst case scenario, if things get delayed to the extent that you have to find somebody else, that's that's okay for you, and you lose the money, that's okay for you. So choose a small. Project. Don't choose one that's close to, that's got a very tight deadline. Don't choose one that your biggest client is going to suck you if you, if you don't deliver on time or on budget. Uh, so if you're starting with, with a new provider, those are the sort of things to look at. Uh, and also, I would, in my project proposal, I generally ask people for samples of similar work that they've done in the past. And uh, be careful, you can't ask them to do some work for you, so you can't ask them to like do a, a transcribe the first few minutes as a sample because you can not ask people to do free work for you but you can ask for similar work that they've done in the past. And that said, there, there will be some providers who just, of their own initiative, will actually do some of the work for you. I remember a programming job I did uh, that I uh, wanted done a few years ago, Chris. I put out the proposal and it turned out to be for, for one of the providers, it turned out to be so easy that in his response he said, look, I've done the work for you. Here's, uh, here's a bit of software. And uh, it was done. And it was so, I had no no hesitation then in awarding him the job because I could he'd actually done the job in the in the day that he took me to uh, before I started assessing other, other proposals.
1: Incredible. Yeah. Well, suppose you've put up uh, a, a detailed project proposal. I remember when we did this for the uh, the book cover design uh, on Elance, we got a flood of responses, tons of responses. So there's the next step usually is going through all those responses and um, assessing them in some way. So perhaps you could provide us with uh, the steps involved in assessing that flood of responses.
0: Yeah, that's right. And it is just a case of assessing it. And uh, what you can do is use the tools that the talent market that the website has provided for you. So there's there's a few things that you can look at and none of them are guaranteed. So I've found that even working with providers that have used in the past uh, who have been reliable, sometimes, the next time around, it's not going to be as reliable. And we even found that with uh, Manoj, that he was a little bit slower and he had some other things going on in his life at the time. So you're not always guaranteed to get uh, – so this process of assessing isn't always guaranteed to give you the best result. Mm-hmm. However, it'll give you some – here's some rules of thumb that you can use. It'll give you some good guidelines. The, f- the first thing is, and it's surprising how many providers will do this, I guess they're responding to a lot of, pro- uh, lot of proposals. They will just do some sort of generic cut and paste of their basically their blurb. So it'll talk about who they are, what sort of services they provide, but they haven't actually responded to your project. So those people who just respond with the generic cut and paste, I just ignore them. They, they automatically go into the dustbin uh, because they haven't even taken the trouble to respond to me. It may just be that they've got so much work that, they, that they're that they trying to respond to, that there's just a numbers game for them, but I would rather work with somebody who's taken the trouble to have a look at what I've actually asked for and is responding to me specifically. So that, and that also leads to the next point, which is something I mentioned before, which is looking for samples of work that they've done in the past. So I want to make sure that uh, that they've done similar work to what I'm looking for and to see some examples. Again, it's not guaranteed, but it's a, it's a good rule of thumb.
1: Yeah, and I, I remember when we were doing the process for the book cover, you, uh, you went and uh, weeded out all those um, cut-and-paste ones as you described them, or the ones that were ridiculously expensive, and that left a, a smaller subset for me to, to go through and have a look at as well. So that first pass where you just made a quick decision based on those simple, that simple rule of thumb was quite effective in uh, reducing the, the number to look at in detail.
0: Yeah, that's right. And you just raised a point, Chris, which we should also mention is that if you're collaborating, so like you and I were working on this job together, Elance and the other talent markets do allow you to, as a team, as a provider, so you can invite other people in to to look at the bids. And then so I did, I went through, as you said, that I did the first pass and I even added comments next to each one, which the provider couldn't see, but you could see. So you could see the comments, you could add your own comments. And it helped us shortlist and then eventually pick one or two. So other things that you look for, uh, I look look for the feedback, look for testimonials and comments from past clients, Uh, particularly past clients who requested similar work. So you'll find that many of these providers do a number of services. So if you're looking for, so let's say a graphic designer, they may do web graphic design, they may do print design, they may do book cover design. If you're looking for somebody to design a book cover, have a look at past work they've done with book covers and see what. People are, see what other customers have said about them. Um, sometimes customers are a bit harsh and sometimes they don't realize. So sometimes they blame the provider for things that are actually their fault. So sometimes they take it with a grain of salt. But if you look for um, – you get an overall view. So one bad, one bad testimonial shouldn't disqualify somebody, but uh, have a look at the overall sort of comments and the ratings that, that other customers give. And then when you look at things like price, experience and location, some, those things do matter to some extent. But I would say don't automatically go for the lowest prices. Um, and do have a look at how many jobs they've posted in the past on these talent markets. Like Elans will tell you how many jobs they've done and the average um, dollar amount of those jobs uh, recently and in the last six months. But That alone, so that's a good indicator, but that alone uh, shouldn't be something that uh, disqualifies somebody who hasn't done much work. Because if they haven't done much work on Elance, it doesn't mean that they are inexperienced. It just means that they've never, they haven't done much work on Elance. They may be very experienced and so you, that shouldn't automatically disqualify them. Um, And there are some jobs where location does matter. So it may be that you want to be in the same time zone because you want to be phoning or Skyping quite a lot. It may be that they do have to have a good standard of written English because you're getting them to do writing for you. Uh, and there may be other specific things where their location, either their country, their culture, their currency, their time zone does make a difference. So those are some of the other things to look at.
1: Yeah, okay. So it's decision time, and you've, uh, you've gone through all your proposals and uh, you've picked out a few. How do you make that final selection? This is one thing that
0: you can, you can agonize over for a long time. So I don't think you should. I think you should make a short list and then pick one and then work with them. Um, Some people do, do a lot more. So some people, especially if you've got a bigger project, you may want to um, go into like how you can have email discussions with them or through the website, you can have discussions through them. You can Skype them and have a, have a conversation with them if that's, if that matters to you. The sort of jobs that I've done on Elance and Odesk, I haven't needed that. And in fact, even if providers have said, uh, do you want to have a Skype chat? I generally uh, decline that invitation because I really want to, it's a small job, and I want to do it online, and uh, I want to make sure that I can work with somebody who's happy to work just by, just through email and just through that website. Mm-hmm. So I think the main thing is just pick somebody quickly and get the project underway.
1: Okay, and and so you've done that. You've finally made your final decision. You've got your freelance provider, and the project starts Uh What happens then? What sorts of things do you need to do once the project is underway?
0: Uh, Look, I I think the biggest piece of advice I'd give is don't just leave it till the very end to find Mm -hmm. out if there are problems. So set, so start, start by writing a really good project brief and set uh, lots of intermediate milestones. Obviously, if it's only going to be uh, a simple job where it's going, they're going to reply to you in three days, no big deal. You don't have to set intermediate milestones. But if there's a fair chunk of work, it's nice to get uh, intermediate stuff from them during the project. So, For example, when we got the out-of-office book, we had some editing done, some ghostwriting done for that. We asked Justine to send us... Uh, the first chapter that she did by a certain date so that we could have a look and see whether it was kind of she was on the right track she could find out whether she was on the right track and then we could adjust things along the way rather than wait until the very end when she delivered everything and then we go oh no that's not what we want at all so I think if you can set intermediate milestones that's good and also intermediate payments so the provider is uh, is happy because they're getting paid as they go as well and uh, and make sure that you pay promptly so everyone's happy so because generally like you know that you're going to pay but they don't know because they're dealing with the stranger on the other side of the world so if you can reassure them that you're going to do the right thing by them uh, and you can do that by setting uh, milestones and uh, and payments along the way then they're going to be happier and they're going to be more motivated to do a good job for you as well.
1: And what if they've got access to say if they're doing a web design project and they have access to a website that uh, you own uh, how do you give them access to that sort of
0: thing yeah that's actually true that's actually a good point so you do have to be careful when you're giving out passwords and things like that so uh, when i recently had some graphic design work done on my website i actually copied the website over to another um, another server under another domain name and gave them access to that rather mm-hmm. than giving them access to my main site you yeah. may not want to go that far but uh, so you may have to give people access to certain passwords for example if you're going to get somebody to uh, create a facebook page for you you have to give them your access to your facebook account so there has to be a certain level of trust, uh, and what you might choose to do is you might choose to change your password. So you may set up a temporary password for the duration of the project, and then change it afterwards, or you know give them the access to your main password as long as you're not using it anywhere else, mm-hmm. and then change that after the project's complete. For me, what I did was because I had this temporary website, uh, I could just delete that website after the project was complete. But here yeah, you do have to be you do have to think about security. Yeah.
1: Okay, and as you say, the project uh, eventually comes to an end. There are a few steps to, to complete at the end of the project. So, for instance, with the book cover design, our first provider turned out to be a dud. And with Minaj, even though we were really happy with the end result, there are a few uh, bumps on that journey. So what can you do at the end of the project?
0: the the providers on these talent markets they care a lot about the feedback so the feedback yeah. counts a lot so the ratings and the comments uh do make a big difference to them because they know that other other customers will be reading that when they when they're assessing f- them for future projects so i think as as much as possible be honest but generous so be generous with your feedback so highlight the things that worked really well and um, obviously you don't want to uh, mislead future customers because you wouldn't want to be one of those future customers who's misled by overly generous feedback but be positive as much as you can and give them a high rating so unless they're really messed up give them let's say it's, I think Elance a five star rating unless they're really messed up give them a five star uh, rating in each of the categories so Elance has things like punctuality delivered on time uh, delivered to budget um, communication was good that sort of stuff and you can rate each of them from one to five stars so be generous if you can, uh, unless there were really problems with it. Uh, if, and if something did go wrong, again, take responsibility to assess whether it was – maybe it was your fault or maybe there was something that you didn't specify well enough. Uh, and again, don't take it out on the provider. So recently uh, when I did the Fast, Flat and Free website, I, I built it as a WordPress website and I did a basic WordPress design for it, but I got somebody on Odesk, I think, to to – revamp the design of it. And I guess I didn't do enough to give him an idea of um, what I wanted. So what he did was he just did some minor tweaks to it, whereas what I was really looking for was saying, look, what I've done is basic, and I, I don't mind you throwing it away and starting all over again. But he didn't know that, and I didn't really make that clear at the start, So, and I should have. So... I, it wasn't fair for me to penalize him for that. I paid him the full amount, and um, I just learned my lesson from that for the next time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so look, that's that's something to be, uh, to be careful of. So, yeah, absolutely give honest and fair feedback and be generous if you can. And, of course, as you mentioned earlier, Chris, if you've got things like security uh, issues, like passwords, just change them. Um, even if you trust the provider, it's worth changing your passwords just as part of your standard security policy.
1: Fantastic. So that's it from where to go, from uh, choosing a a talent market all the way through to wrapping up a project at the end of it. So any concluding remarks, Kihan?
0: I definitely think it's worth trying and uh, I would think it's worth trying just for the exercise uh, just for the experience of doing it so even if you haven't if you even if you've got a job that you think you could do yourself and you're willing to do it yourself just try one of these talent markets as i said don't pick something that's uh, big and complex and has a tight deadline and is really important but just find out how good outsourcing can be because it really is it is feasible attractive and affordable now because these talent markets are really bringing together people with the right skills uh, and connecting them with the people who want those skills. Uh, I, we mentioned this, I guess we've had this as a theme throughout, Chris, that don't think of these talent markets as just this huge... Pool global pool of uh, on-demand resources. In other words, don't think of them as somewhere that you can just go in whenever you need something. You can sort of dip in and get whatever you need. And you, Some people do think of them that way, but I think that's limiting and it can be pretty frustrating because it means that you're dealing with people. So sometimes it's reliable, sometimes it's unreliable. Some providers are good. Some people are. Some are no good. Some seem good, but they turn out to be not so good in the end. So I think the best approach to take with these talent markets is to use them as a place where you can. That uh, solid long-term relationships. So look at them as a starting point for finding people that you can, that you will then use over and over again in the future. So rather than say, uh, I'm going to choose, choose somebody different every time, think about a service that you need to perform. So it might be book covers, and I write a lot of books, so I want somebody, a good book cover designer. And when I find somebody in, who's got that specific skill, use that person over and over again. Fair enough. I guess we should mention our book, Chris. uh, We should. (laughs) Given that we've, and we have mentioned a few times. So we've got uh, the book out of office, uh, and we used a number of these talent markets. uh, Well, we use Elance in a number of places in the development, in the writing and the publishing of the book.
1: And Um, and Fiverr as well, Gihan. We used Fiverr for the... That's
0: right. We did use Fiverr as well. Yep. Elance and and Fiverr both we used uh, because there were certain things that were outside our skill set and we were happy to outsource that. Uh, This is all part of the, the the bigger, bigger picture of this is all about collaborating. It's all about collaboration. And in the Out of Office book, we do talk about uh, we talk about outsourcing in the chapter about collaboration, in working together with people when you're not necessarily sitting in the same room with them or sharing an office with them. So if you want to know more about collaboration and how you do that effectively remotely, then get the book Out of Office from outofofficebook.com.
1: Indeed. And as you say, we've talked about talent markets for outsourcing work, but the flip side of that outsource is that out-of-office workers can also use these talent markets to offer their services. Now, you and I don't have any first-hand experience of that, which is why we've not talked about it, but if uh, you have had experience offering your services through a talent market, then we'd love to hear from you. So, as usual, we'll have a Uh, an article on the Out of Office blog, which is at outofofficebook.com slash blog. So we'll have an article corresponding to this podcast episode. So if you have any comments at all, please leave a comment, but we'd particularly like to hear from you if you've used Talent Markets for offering your services.
0: Yes, we would. That that would be great. We We always welcome any comments and feedback, so we'd love to hear your experience as well.
1: Indeed. So we'll have another podcast for the Out of Office podcast next month, Gihan. So it remains to thank you for sharing your experience with us today, and I'll speak to you again in
0: a month's time. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks very much, Chris. Visit our website at outofofficebook.com where you can read all our show notes, subscribe to the podcast, and get our book, Out of Office. We wish you all the best in creating the work style of your choice.